Hello, and welcome to the weekly edition of the Mike Drago Sports Football Podcast. This is episode four, and we have a very special guest with us this week, former Wilson football coach, Jerry Slemmer, who I'll be talking to in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you the Mike Drago Sports Sports Football Podcast is brought to you each week by MikeDragoSports.com, which provides Berks County's most comprehensive football coverage and much, much more. The podcast is presented this week and every week throughout the season by our sponsor, Utilities Employees Credit Union. UECU invites you to enjoy low loan rates, competitive deposit rates, member rewards, shopping discounts, roadside assistance, and cell phone protection powered by Bazing. Utilities Employees Credit Union, a powerful new way to save money, located in Wyomissing or at uecu.org slash checking. So we're welcome to Burke's, uh, Burke's Football Week 4. We have 12 games on tap this week. It's the start of league play in Section 2. And the big game there is Wyomissing versus Hamburg. That'll be Saturday afternoon at the A-Field. Both teams 3-0. Wyomissing off to a terrific start. Ranked number 3 in the state in Class 3A after reaching the state final Last year, Hamburg off to its best start in seven years. Exeter has a big follow-up game at Hemfield after beating Wilson for the first time. And we get a bonus game this week. Harrisburg comes to Governor Mifflin, a game that uh, came together in a matter of minutes earlier this week when both of their opponents had to cancel due to COVID issues. So I'll be at Mifflin Stadium Friday night to cover that one. Uh, should be an exciting game. We'll be covering uh, four games this week for MikeDragosports.com. We'll have reporters at the uh, uh, Pope John Paul at Wilson, or I'm sorry, Pope John Paul at Burke's Catholic game, Exeter at Hempfield, and Fleetwood at Conrad Weiser. So look for game reports Friday night on each of those games on MikeDragosports.com. And now, time for... My special guest, who flew in from Arizona just to be with me today, I really appreciate that, Jerry Slemmer. It's a name that should be familiar to any football fans in Berks County, especially Wilson Bulldogs fans. Uh, Jerry was a former uh, tackle for the Bulldogs, head coach, assistant coach, uh, played on some of Wilson's greatest teams in the late 60s, selected for the Big 33 game, earned a scholarship to Arizona State, played for the legendary Frank Cush. Cush. Uh, with the Bulldogs, he was a head coach for 15 years, 129 wins. Actually, I should update that, Jerry, 130, because you came back two yeah, years ago, yeah, yeah. And, and I was there for that. You coached the <laughs> alumni team, and you came out with a W there. Uh, during Jerry's uh, 15 seasons, eight Lancaster Lebanon League Section 1 championships, two District 3 championships, coach of the year three times. I could go on and on and on, Jerry. Thanks for uh, making the trip here, and welcome to the Mike Drago Sports Football Podcast Studios. We just uh, just finished the uh, construction recently, and we're ready to go. Oh, I always enjoy being back in Berks County. So you're here uh, for a number of reasons. Obviously, you see family and friends, and uh, and but Friday night, a, some a special occasion at Gursky Stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, Wilson is honoring three of its championship teams from the past, each of which you coached. 1985 was a Lancaster Lebanon League Section 1 champs. 1990 team was a District 
uh, District 3 champ, and the 95 team also went unbeaten in LL Section 1 play. Uh, I'm sure you're excited to see some of your, your former players well, once again. I, I really am, and, 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 and it's over a 15-year span, and um, each team has some unique memories to me. The 85 team, that was the first LL championship team that I coached. And um, the 1990 team, everybody remembers the Fog Bowl. That's the game that they played to win a district championship and then go on to the state semifinals. And the 95 team that uh, just, uh, it had some great players on it and and we just had a, a super season. So it's going to be fun to see those guys. Uh, Jerry's last season coaching the Bulldogs was 1997. Uh he had to give it up. He didn't want to, but you became principal uh, at Wilson High School, and then, uh, of course, uh, stayed in that uh, in that vein. Eventually, moved to <clears throat> excuse me, Arizona, where he was the principal at Red Mountain High School for ten years. Uh, retired in two thousand fourteen, and then went on to teach at Northern Arizona University. Uh, people remember, obviously, Jerry as a football player, but he he is Dr. Jerry Slemmer, and uh, education always important to you, wasn't it? No question about it. My Mom and Dad really emphasized for my brother and I to get an education, and it took a little bit to, to, to sink in. We weren't stellar students in high school, but uh, when it came down to you know, going to college and picking a major, we knew what we wanted to do, and, and we, we went after those goals. Football and, and education always went hand in hand with you, and I'm sure you emphasize that to your, your players as well, correct? And also one reason why I got my doctorate. I just thought that, uh, you know, going back to school and, 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 and having that achievement while I was coaching uh, could be a motivation for them as well. I, I'd say to them, hey, you guys got a homework tonight, I got a homework too. And um, so that, that was one reason why I pursued it. And, and others as well. But uh, education is the ticket to do anything. We all know that. Uh, I, I, I emphasize that a great deal with all my players. And what was interesting at Wilson is one of the most proud things that I ever did uh, as a coach was I had teams that they, they just were full of high-achieving students. I mean, teams that I coach represent lawyers, orthopedic surgeons, uh, military grads that went in and, and got high uh, military positions. Uh, and if I would put all them up on a depth chart, it would be too deep in every position. And, and that, that's pretty exciting to think about, that, uh, that uh, the kids that played at Walson went on to get a great education and make a great contribution to society. Yeah, very re rewarding as a coach and as a teacher and educator to, to see th things like that. Uh, but let's talk football. You know, so many great memories you have from Wilson football. The first thing I have to ask you is uh, you were on the ground floor when, when um, uh, John Gursky came to, to West Lawn in the early 60s. Uh, you, you, un you understood there was a sense of excitement there because Wilson football was, was not very good at that time. What you know? What talk about the impact that uh, Coach Gursky made not only on Wilson football but the entire school and the entire county? Well, he he he. What he brought to Wilson was a a, a work ethic, uh, a a desire. Uh, football was very important, and he transferred that to us as players. 
And uh, I remember the first time I met him, uh, I was walking to school. And he lived over in Lincoln Park, and he's driving to school down the Whiskey Ditch. And we're, Harold, Harold, my brother, we're walking along. And he stops the car and says, hey, you guys want to ride to school? And uh, we said, yeah, sure. And we would actually, from that point on, we would actually time leaving for school when we knew he would be coming by. And so he just about picked us up every day, give us a ride to school. And, and we were in like the seventh grade. And my dad, uh, he was a big coal region fan. He would always take my brother and I to the Shemokin Mont Carmel Thanksgiving Day game and that kind of thing. And I'll never forget the morning he read the newspaper and saw John Gursky being hired as the football coach. And he looks at the both of us and he says, now you're going to have a football coach. That's just how he said it. And, and everything, you know, just fell into place. And, and uh, the weightlifting, the off-season, the grueling practices, which are legendary, uh, the length of them and the intensity of them. He'd always say to us, the games, uh, the practices are going to be harder than the games. And they absolutely were. And, uh, and we just watched him develop this, this whole dynasty that, that still exists today. Now, your senior season, that was 1969? That's correct. Right. Bulldogs went 10-0, uh, second, second time in three years. Also, right. your sophomore, sophomore, you were on the first Wilson team that went unbeaten, 67. Right. That was yep. Mike Ritz was on that team, correct? Yep. And then I, I, the, the quarterback on your 69 team was my guest here on the Mike Draco Sports Football Podcast a couple of weeks ago, John Yoakum. And I enjoyed talking old-time old Wilson football with him. Um you know, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Now, you and, and your brother, your twin brother, uh, Harold, uh, both uh, tackles for the Bulldogs, and you both went to Arizona State, which at the time, Frank Cush, I mean, that was, he was a legendary coach, and they were a top 10 team for a long time in the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. and throughout. How did, how did you end up going there? Because that's, especially in those days, not a lot of players, uh, you know, went cross country to, to play. Yeah, we, we just got caught up in, in the recruiting. Uh, Arizona State, Frank Cush recruited a lot of players out of Pennsylvania. I mean, I played with a kid that uh, he, he was from Harrisburg High School, another one from Lebanon, the Allentown area. So there was about a dozen of us on the team that were from Pennsylvania. Uh, and, he, and Frank Cush was from Pennsylvania. Right. Is he a coal region guy? No, he's Western PA. Okay. Wimber, Wimber High School he right. played out in the early 50s. So that's the connection. He knows Pennsylvania football. He, okay, he, because I always yeah. wondered, how did you guys end up there? And, and did you even visit the school before you, before you committed? Yeah, and that, that was kind of a funny thing because our offensive line coach, he played at Springford High School uh, down by, you know, Chestnut Lake. And uh, he, he came to visit us at our house, you know, the whole routine. And he says, yeah, we got to have you to ASU for a visit. And we're like, look at each other. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a map of where we are and where, what do you mean for a weekend? And it was the first time we were ever in an airplane and we flew out for a weekend visit to ASU. And, and, and we were kind of like real uh, Westerns and cowboys and that kind of thing. And so when we got out to Arizona, we, you know, just visiting the, the Western towns and all the cactus and 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 buttes and you know the it just it just got us it got a hold of us and we said yeah 
here's where we're going to go to school. I mean, a, a completely different uh, lifestyle and environment there for anybody that's never been to the, the desert. I mean, it's, you know, here in the East, we grow up with trees and lush, lush vegetation, and you don't see any of that, but you, you, uh, you appreciated that immediately, that, that yeah. change. They took us, the, the, it was interesting, it was, a, it was about maybe 20 recruits in the weekend we were there, and they actually took us up to the Salt River, uh, and where everybody goes tubing. They, they ride down this river in and, and, and inner tubes, and it's about a four-hour ride from one spot to the other. And we did that, and we just thought that was incredible. Went horseback riding. Uh, they, knew, they knew how to approach the Eastern kids and get them excited about coming out to ASU. You're listening to the Mike Drago Sports Football Podcast. My guest this week is former Wilson football coach Jerry Slemmer. Uh, Pennsylvania athletes, families, and fans, Utilities Employees Credit Union invites you to enjoy our low loan rates, competitive deposit rates, member rewards, shopping discounts, new roadside assistance service, and cell phone protection powered by Bazing. Get started online at uecu.org or stop by our branch in Wyomissing on Meridian Boulevard. Utilities Employees Credit Union. A powerful new way to save money. Back to football and Jerry Slemmer. We're talking about his days at Arizona State. And for younger fans who don't remember, I mean, that, that was a, a real power in the, in the country. Top 10 team uh, for many years under Frank Cush. Your, um, your uh, senior year, you went to, to the Fiesta Bowl. You guys beat Pitt and Tony Dorsett. Tell me that, about that, because those correct. Pitt teams in the 70s yeah. were tremendous. Well, it was actually two years. My junior year, we played Missouri in the Fiesta Bowl and finished ranked, I think, eighth or ninth in the country. And then the next year was when Pitt came out. Tony Dorsett was playing for him. And, um, and, and, you know, and there were a lot of games that, you know, really high – ranking teams come out and played us. And I don't know if it was the jet lag or what it would be, but, you know, we just really played hard. And and most of those games we won, and everybody would be shocked for a while. And then, you know, what would hurt us the most as far as getting the recognition I think the program deserved was our games didn't start till 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night with the three-hour time difference. And so if we were playing an afternoon game, uh, which weren't many because it was so hot, uh, then, you know, we, we would have more of a TV audience. But, uh, but we put a name. I mean, it was, there was some great teams. A lot of them went on and played pro football, do very well in the pros. And um, it was, you know, we're, we're proud members of the Sun Devil football team. A tremendous experience for you to, to, to play at that level. Uh, and last thing, Frank Cush. Tell me about him. I know he, he had a reputation of being a, a tough customer. Yeah, and everything you heard about him was true. That's what I tell people all, all the time. Well, you know what? He, he was just a hard-nosed, uh, working family. He had There was like 11 kids in his family. They're in Wimber, PA, and he got into coaching, and uh, he was a great football player at Michigan State and wasn't real big. Played on the defensive line. And he just coached with great intensity, and and you know you you if you weren't out there going 100, percent he found out real quick, and and he was he was he was a harsh man. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> he, you know he was just a harsh man, and and you had to show every show up every day and and give him your A game, and and there was a lot of kids that went there and 
didn't like that kind of discipline and dropped out of the program. And I think what helped my brother and I uh, do well at ASU is we were already used to that with John Gursky. And, you know, that's the way the game is taught by these, uh, you know, guys like John who grew up in a tough neighborhood also. And, and so they just transferred that level of toughness uh, to their coaching. And, and actually it was a lot easier than for other players who didn't have that kind of high school experience. Yeah, after college, you came back to Wilson and, and, and got a job as a teacher. Was that sort of the plan all along? You wanted to come home, well, teach and coach at, at the alma mater? Yeah, and, and, and it, it, um, I graduated from ASU in 74, and there really weren't any teaching jobs in my field, physical education. So I did teach two years out there and coach football. But then as soon as they had an opening, I get a call from John. And he says, we got a job here. Or is this something that might interest you? And I, and, you know, my wife was from back here and everything. So, yeah, I, I, I'll interview for it. So I basically flew back and interviewed with the, uh, uh, the assistant superintendent for secondary ed. His name was Dr. Aaron Miller. And um, it was like a, <laughs> it's like they already knew what they wanted to do. It was a 20-minute interview. And the next day he calls me back. Well, you want this job before you fly home? I says, yeah. I'll take it. Smartest move I ever made. Smartest move I ever made to come into an established program, learn how to coach, John Gursky style, and um, and and then that's that's how it went. And what was your first year uh, teaching at Wilson? Seventy six, nineteen seventy six. Okay, so then you were on staff what seven years with John as an assistant? I worked as an assistant coach for seven years. Right. And, uh, and then he retired, and then in 1983, I was only 29 years old, and I took over as the head coach in 1983, and, 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 I, and I say that because I was probably the dumbest head coach in the league because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're young and you, 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 you learn from your mistakes. And we were, don't get me wrong, we had a nice team my third year there. We won the LL. But when I look back at those experiences – um, I said, well, that was a dumb way to do that, you know, and, and you just learn with that like anything else and, and get, and, and get better. Now you, um, a 29 year old head coach, you were, there was a veteran staff there, correct? I mean, was that, um, uh, uh, you know, must've been also the succeeding John Gursky, you know, the guy was an icon in West Lawn and throughout Berks County. What kind of pressure was there taking over for him? Well, it's interesting you ask that. He, uh, in fact, when, when I got the job, I don't. Even a couple of the assistants at the time says, "Are you sure you want to do this?" <laughs> and and you know, I knew it was going to be a challenge, but but I never I never lost faith in that. I just felt, you know, you hear you hear us talk about Wilson football, the program, and I thought if I can just stay straight to the program. Um, and there's some wrinkles we put in, like the offense and whatnot. But but we still were we ran the football. We had a good blocking fullback. Uh, we were strong. We lived in the weight room in the off season, and and that's what John taught, and that's what I continued on. And um, so each year, as you have that success, you get a little more confident. And before we knew it, '89, we were in a state up at Hershey in the state finals, and. And I'm standing there on the sideline before the game. You know, how did this all happen? 
Now, your your staff, I think you were fortunate, the coaching staff around you were veteran guys. And Bernie stopped by, was still there. Bill Morgan's, yep. was he on staff? Bill, Bill, Bill yep. Haas, was he there at the no, time? No, Haas is, is uh, two years, just two years older than me. Okay. Uh, Bernie stopped by, was my line coach at Wilson. Bill Morgan, he had coached the JVs. Ray Ritchie, he had coached the backfield. Bert and I, uh, I think he was helping out with like junior high at the time, though. But yeah, these coaches, uh, not to mention the teachers. Uh, many of the teachers were, were teachers that I had. Uh, and if you want to see in, something interesting, when I became the principal uh, in 87 and, a, and, and half of my staff were teachers that I had. So, and, and I, I just got used to all that. And leadership is leadership. And, and you know, you stand, stand up there and, 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 you know, keep the success of kids in mind. And, and that's how you do it. Your first season ended with five and five record. Later, uh, I think Norristown had the forfeits. Yeah. You ended up six and four. But did you did you uh, take much heat for that? Because uh, a couple of years, you know, earlier, Wilson was eleven and zero, and ten and one, eleven and one. You know, great records. Did you feel any of that? Well, uh, interestingly enough, I, I would always tease John because because he put the schedule together before he retired, and we played Norristown, which had a great team. We played Williamsport, which had a great team. And they had just gotten a new coach at Hempfield by the name of Jack Yo, who immediately turned that program around. So, yeah, was there pressure in that? Absolutely. Uh, we couldn't throw a ball. We couldn't throw the ball lick. We were not a very good passing team. And the first thing that I did, along with my assistant, uh, uh, Bill Hawes, is we had to find a place to learn the passing game. I mean, John was a great coach, but passing wasn't his forte. And we went up to East Stroudsburg and met the coaches up there and basically drove up there every day uh, for half the winter months and just studied their film. And they coached, literally, Mike Twilliger's name was, literally uh, coached me how to coach a good passing game. And we came back and instituted it. And the second year, we won seven games. And then the third year, you know, I mean, we, we just needed to put a passing game to the running game that we all, we felt we did well, and then everything would fall in place, and it certainly did. Right, and third year, uh, eight wins and and the Section One championship, and that that was the '85 team, which is being honored uh, Friday night, along with the 1990 and 1995 championship teams. Uh, uh, Jerry Slemmer will be at Gursky Stadium for that and get a chance to uh, reunite with uh, a lot of his former uh, players, and I'm sure some assistant coaches will be there as well. Uh, Jerry, you coached so many teams and had so much success. Is is there one team that you had a, a special fondness for? Well, you know, I was, you know, all of them were, were just outstanding kids. So I got to emphasize that from the get-go. They just were all hardworking, uh, dedicated kids to the game of football. But the team that I obviously became a little closer with was the team my son was on in 1990. 90. Uh, they had just come off the, all those kids were juniors on the 89 team with Collins and Bradburn and McCarty. Then the next year was their senior year. And, uh, and, and they were, they were such a hardworking group. Not, not really. I mean, there was no Collins and, and McCarty or Bradburn anymore, but they were a very hardworking group of kids and set their goals high 
And frankly, I think they came the closest to uh, winning a state championship than even the 89 team from the perspective that we played Ridley. It was a 16-14 loss. To this day, the controversy of Nydrowski, did he score or not score? That would have put us in the finals against North Allegheny, who on paper, you know, we had a better football team. And uh, But that group of kids, you know, they'd be like, like with other people, they would be, you know, they hang around your house and the friendship with my son and his other classmates, that, that was a special group of kids. And then the 85 team was the first team that we won the LL when I was the head coach. So uh, they, they, were, they were a pretty neat group of kids too. Uh, Jerry's son, Jake, was an out, outstanding linebacker for the Bulldogs, Hall of Fame uh, member. And uh, I think he was a member of our, uh, when the Reading Eagle picked the All-Century team, I think yeah. he was on there with, with your, uh, you know, uh, with a lot of his teammates. That 1990 uh, team went 12-2, and two, reached the state semifinals. Uh, who won the, did Ridley go on to win the state championship the next week? Or uh, You know what, I, I, I can't remember. They played North Allegheny. I know I went up to the game, and it was a. I think maybe North Allegheny beat them, um, and it was like a like a, eighteen seventeen you know type game, but and it was hard. It was hard to sit there, and watch that and know, you know without a doubt we could have we were as, as good as or better than the two teams that were in the state finals and all. Say that to the day I die. It would just you know. I, and I'm surprised you actually went because, like you said, that's got to be tough to it to is. watch that. You know, just a few days after your season ends, and then go and watch these teams play. Well, what was even tougher was when we looked at the film after the game. Nydrowski was clearly in the end zone. We I I couldn't understand why they called it the way they did, and we would have won the game, twenty two sixteen or whatever. You know, and and we lost it sixteen fourteen. And we had a really good kicker that year. And there were a couple of times where we probably should have kicked field goals, but he had taken the SAT test that morning and got there late. Back to the education thing, which is more important. Well, go take your SAT test first and then get there as soon as you can. And so that, you know, we didn't have that full kicking game, which was a big part of our team. At that time, his name was Jez Wally, and he played soccer, and then he kicked for us. And um, it, it, there was like two occasions where a field goal would have made the difference. Uh, you know, I don't know if this will help that at all. Ridley beat you, but it took 40, well, 35 years later. Finally, Wilson last year has passed Ridley. For, for years, Ridley had the longest uh, consecutive seasons winning streak in the state, and Wilson was was next, and, and it was something that I've been monitoring, you know, for the last 15 years because I knew, you know, Wilson had this streak. Now it's up to 45 straight winning seasons, and um, uh, I think uh, was it 50, 50, yeah, 45 straight winning seasons, 57 straight non-losing seasons. But Ridley, for the longest time, was number one in terms of that win streak. And last year, they finally had a losing record and the, the Bulldogs passed them. So now Wilson has uh, his owner, owner of the longest consecutive uh, winning, you know, winning season streak in the state. I mean, I, you know, I find that rather incredible because I look at other programs, Cumberland Valley, which was so good, 
you know, for a long time, and now they've hit a, a rough patch. And, and and almost every program, you know, Berwick uh, was tremendous, and they hit a rough patch. Mannheim Central last year had a, lo a losing record, um, you know, for the first time in, in decades. And and I know it's not, not easy. People look at Wilson and just say, oh, they're going to have a winning team because they always do. But it's not automatic. I mean, when you look at an achievement like that, well, you know, what are your thoughts when you see that 45 straight years? Well, I think, again, it's it, – it, it's a testament to the program, you know, and, and John Gursky clearly was the father of that program. Um, and then, you know, guys like Yoakum and myself playing under him, uh, Doug Doms and I, we came to Wilson the same year and worked together for many years. And um, we just, you're, you're just ingrained in that tradition and that success. It's like he has now the Wilson Traditions Club. And, and, and very smartly so, he puts that pressure on the kids. Hey, you know, just like what you said, he gives them that speech. And, um, and you're expected to go out there and, and, and play hard. And I think the consistency in the coaching over since, six, since that, that, all the way back to John coming to Wilson, and what isn't talked about as much anymore because other schools do it as well, the weight training program was huge in 1965 when we had these running barbell weights and lifting them in the gym and whatnot. That was huge, and that grew even more uh, as we got a bigger facility. And, 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 you know, our kids were always strong. I love to tell the story of the head coach at Coatesville, who when we played at Coatesville in the state semifinal game in 89, and there was a coach standing there in the end zone looking at us going, these guys are in the state semifinals. They don't look very big. And the head coach at Coachville looks at him and says, yeah, well, you should see them when they take their shirts off. <laughs> and that's, that sums it up right there. And, and just playing hard. You, you, you were a hard hitter. You were, you were a ferocious blocker. And you took them one at a time, and you went out and won a lot of games. You're listening to the Mike Drago's Sports Football Podcast. My guest is Jerry Slemmer, former Wilson head coach. We're talking about the good old days at Wilson. Not that, I mean, they've all been good, good old days for decades. And, you know, winning this program uh, in Berks County, uh, football and 45 straight winning seasons, an incredible achievement. Uh, only one state championship appearance, 1989, you were the head coach. And of course, the, the biggest name from that team is Kerry Collins. Everybody knows about Kerry, went on to play at Penn State, and then I think 17 or 18 years mm -hmm. in the NFL, which is just a remarkable achievement for him. Uh, tell me about when you first heard that, that Kerry was moving into the Wilson District. Did you know much about him, and what was the reaction when he showed up? Well, what's really interesting is I didn't know anything about him. And... Um, and I'm in the faculty room one day, and Reggie Wise says, hey, you know there's a kid coming here from Lebanon High School. I says, oh, yeah? And he goes, yeah, he's, he's like 6'5". Well, the following Wednesday, the, the guidance counselor brings Kerry down to my weightlifting class and introduced me. This is Kerry Collins. He just enrolled and, and is, is coming to Wilson. And, and I always thought anybody that I looked at eye to eye you know, had the potential to be a pretty darn good football player, and that was Kerry. And and uh, it, it was I call it winning the coaching lotto because he just came on board. I never even seen him throw a pass until two weeks before 
the first game because he was so involved with baseball and basketball and summer programs that he never even got to our you know, program until we took the, pass, took the team up to East Strasburg for passing camp. And I said to uh, uh, Mike Twilliger, the guy I mentioned earlier, I said, I got a kid here that I think is pretty good. I want you to look at him. Tell me what you think. And he stood there and watched him do seven on seven for about 10 minutes. And he looks at me and says, this kid's going to be playing on Sunday. That's <laughs> just how he said it. And Kerry was a sophomore? Was he was, he's his... going into his junior year. Okay. He, he had gotten hurt at Lebanon his sophomore year. And then his dad you know, brought him down to Wilson for his junior and senior I year. I actually saw Kerry play as a sophomore for Lebanon. Uh, it, it, I, they were playing either Reading High or Mifflin. It had to be a, a Lancaster-Lebanon game because that's why I was covering it. And, uh, you know, as a sophomore, I mean, again, you see this big 6'4 kid and he could really, uh, really throw the ball around. And then, you know, a few months later, we find out he's, he's coming to Wilson. So, uh, so you didn't, you hadn't really seen him throw until you went to that camp for the most Never part. saw him throw a pass until we went to passing camp. And of course, the, you know, the rumors, oh, Wilson recruited a quarterback and all this and that. And I've stuck with this story from the time, everything, you know, that I share. This is, that's exactly how it happened. I, did, I had no idea who he was. Maybe I should have. I wasn't, maybe I wasn't paying attention. I don't know. But, um, but that's how it all fell into place. And, and, and in fact, that winter of his sophomore year, uh, Re Reggie has him in basketball. They go to like the district championship. And then in baseball, they go to the state finals right. with Bill Kopp. Right. And, um, and that was his sophomore year. So he was busy winning those championships before he even got to us. Just a great athlete. I mean, I, of all, and, and I don't want to take any way, anything away from, we've had some super athletes at, at Wilson over the years in all sports. But he was just, he was just kind of in a league of his own. I mean, he just, for a big kid, 6'5", 220, he was the biggest kid in our team in 1989 and, and, and just had a rifle for an arm uh, and, and, you know, knowing, seeing how he went up to Penn State and how that played out for him, and uh, it's, it's no surprise. It's just he was that level of an athlete. Uh, Kerry has to be top five athletes of all time in Berks County. I mean, people know him for football, but as you mentioned, he was a tremendous baseball pitcher. He was drafted twice, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, by Major League Baseball teams. Um, easily could have had a career in baseball. A basketball, you know, was probably his third sport, but still, um, you guys had a very good basketball team his senior year. In fact, one of the most memorable games, championship games ever, because Wilson played Reading High. Reading High had Danielle Marshall, and Carey and Danielle went after it in that championship game, and it was a physical game. Mm -hmm. uh, and your your basketball team was it was Matt Coldren and four football players, so they <laughs> they so uh, they played tough. And that rivalry at that time was really bitter. And oh, those, it was huge. Those guys went after it, and Carey uh, eventually fouled out Danielle. I think Danielle was going up for a dunk late in the game, and Carey was not going to let it happen, and he fouled him, yeah. and he fouled out of that game. And I'll tell you what, I. I it was a Saturday afternoon. It was at Kutztown University. Keystone Hall was the basketball championship game. And, uh, you know, I mean, I just I was impressed by these two athletes going after each other. And I, I, I came back to the office. And, of course, <clears throat> this is before the Internet and cell phones, so nobody knew the score until I walked back in the office and they wanted to know about the game. And I said, and this is one of my great predictions, I said, 
both of those guys, Kerry Collins, Daniel Marshall, they're both going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated someday, which at the time, uh, Sports Illustrated was like the number one mm -hmm. sports magazine, yeah. and it was a big deal to be on the cover. And that almost came true. Kerry was on the cover when Penn State went to the Rose Bowl, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a second time after that. And Danielle never made the cover of Sports Illustrated, <clears throat> but he had a tremendous career at uh, UConn, and they lost in the uh, regional final. And had they, had they won the regional final and gone to the final four, he might have been uh, national player of the year. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so, and of course he went on to a tremendous NBA career. So to see two guys like yeah. that, uh, both with, you know, I think Kerry was in the NFL 17, 18 years, Danielle, about the same, you know, what a memory to, to see players uh, like that. It's no question about mm -hmm. it. And I remember mm -hmm. when Penn State was recruiting him, um, the seasons, I, I mean, uh, they're calling me the last month of the season. We're in playoffs. And I says, guys, just, just do me one favor, hold off until the season's over, and then we'll we'll go from there. And and Penn State did that. Joe says, you know, I was a good boy. I didn't come, you know, I left him alone. <laughs> and the season's over, and now he's lining up his visits. In fact, I actually wanted to see him take a visit out to Arizona State. Uh, just that, you know, it was my alum and, and whatnot. But Penn State was his second visit. He had visited Maryland, came home from Maryland, said, how do you like it? It's okay. Um, then he goes up to Penn State and comes home that Monday and says to me, well, I've made a decision. And I said, well, Kerry, you got three more visits if you want to take them. He goes, nope, I'm going to Penn State. And I said, well, okay. I said, well, we're going to go call Joe and let him know that. And he goes, yep, let get him on the phone. And it was funny because Paterno just, they knew too what they had just gotten. You know, they know. And they were just so excited to, to have him come up there. And, and, that's, and I think that deep down is where he really wanted to go. I mean, from, from day one, he wanted to go to Penn State. And, you know, everything else is history. They played in the championship. They, won, they didn't win a national championship. They were undefeated, if you remember. I think it was 94. Uh, and they played Oregon in the Rolls Bowl. Uh, Nebraska, they gave the, cha the national championship to. And, and, uh, and I think Penn State had probably, well, they had three first-round draft picks, you know. And it was just, it was just a neat experience to watch him, watch him go through all those games. And then when he went to New York, you know, he was closer. So I got to see a number. I drive up uh, to New York with his dad. And we saw Kerry play a number of games, and then he then he goes on to you know to play in the Super Bowl. Incredible, and you know the the, the thing that's striking about this story about the Penn State recruiting, and I believe that happened in uh, after the season. So January wasn't official until until right. he signed and, right. and committed. Uh, <clears throat> now, I mean. That's like you're really talking about the olden days of college football recruiting because today. No, no Division One player even waits to the senior year to, to commit. A lot of them are doing it as sophomores, and, and they're on the radar screen of, by the time they're in eighth or ninth grade. I remember yeah. Michael Mennett from Exeter, the tremendous uh, center and tackle they had. Uh, the end of his freshman year is like May, May of his freshman year. He already got a, a Division One offer. I think it was from Temple. I mean, that's incredible. He was probably 14 or 15 years old. But that's just the way it is now. You know, you, the, the top players go to uh, 
showcases and, and on-campus things, and they're offered when they're sophomores and juniors, and, and it's just amazing to, to think that uh, Joe Paterno is calling you around, you know, in December asking about this well, guy. Well, he was chomping at the bits, but he, he honored our, you know, request to just wait till our season was over. And, and, you're, and you're very right. I mean, I don't know where the word decommit came from. And all of a sudden, you got, oh, this kid's going here, but he decommitted and decided to go there. Because I said to Kerry, he says, look, you know, this is a very important decision. You, if you sit down here with Joe Paterno and you say, that's where I'm going. Uh, you know, I, I stand by my word. And, and I got a reputation to uphold with these schools as well. He says, no, you don't have to worry, coach. That's where I want to go. And John Gilmore went through a similar situation. He never took a visit of a school his senior year. He, I'd sent some films out of him his junior year, and go I mean, he was a great player. There's no question about it. And uh, the Penn State coaches, they no sooner got the tape and saw him, and they called me up, and, you know, we just wanted, we, we want you to let him know he has a scholarship to Penn State. Well, when I told John that, it was like Christmas morning. That's where he wanted to go. He, it did, I said, don't you want to take some of your other visits? goes, no, I know where I want to go. So he committed at the end of his junior year and played his whole senior year with us, uh, you know, knowing that he was going to go to Penn State. John Gilmore, tight end at Wilson. Again, one of their all-time greats and also one of the uh, four Wilson players to make the NFL. John yeah. had a rather uh, a long career in the NFL. And I got to see all of them play in the NFL, too. Uh, when when uh, Kerry, there was a couple times when he was with the Titans, they came out and played the Cardinals. And then, and then Gilmore played for the Chicago Bears, the team that went to the Super Bowl. And when he was in town, Bernie stopped by. He was living up in uh, Utah at the time because he loved skiing. I said, hey, you want to come down and watch John Gilmore play football? Yeah, I'll be there. And he, you know, and he got us tickets. And it was, we sat in the middle of this uh, uh, Chicago Bear crowd. And, uh, and that was the game, if you remember, when uh, Green, Denny Green says, they who they were who we thought they were. You remember that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that was the game we saw. And uh, Was that a Monday night game? It was a Monday night okay, game. Okay, I remember yeah. that. And it was just, it was just neat. To, when you, and any high school football coach will tell you this. You know, you talk to Wolfram, he'll tell you that, any of them will, that when you get to see one of your former players in an NFL football uniform, that's, that's like the neatest thing in the world. It just, you know, you just love it. To, you love seeing that. You're listening to the Mike Drago Sports Football Podcast, brought to you by Utilities Employees Credit Union, which invites you to enjoy low loan rates, competitive deposit rates, member rewards, shopping discounts, roadside assistance, and cell phone protection powered by Bazing. Utilities Employees Credit Union, a powerful new way to save money. Located in Wyomissing or at uecu.org. We're talking to Jerry Slemmer, former Wilson football coach, and, and we have to talk, obviously, about the 1989 season. We talked about Kerry Collins, who was the quarterback of that team, but you had a lot of, a lot of other great players on that team. Uh, in, in August, in July and August, when you're you know getting ready to go to camp and put that team together, uh, what kind of expectations did you have? Was anybody talking state championship that year well you know if if anybody that knows me when i talk about my teams before the season yeah you know i mum's the word i i and you know what the reason 
I wouldn't play them up is simply I didn't want a target on their back. I didn't want to say to the press or, yeah, this is going to be the best team Wilson ever had. They're going to go to the state championship. We just got all these great players. And, and all that was true. But to put them under that kind of pressure, I just never would do that. I said, well, we'll see how it goes. You know, you, you've been another time with it. And we'll see how it goes. We got some good players, but it's going to be a long season. And they got, you know, that, that's the kind of answers that I would give. But, yeah, there was a couple teams in the 89, definitely. You know, we knew when we beat Glenn Mills, the opening game, the reform school from down around Philly, and, and just, just marched through our non-league schedule, you know, we knew this was, this was going to be something special. Now, I, I didn't think state finals in December, but it was going to, it's going to be somewhere close to that. And that's, you know, we just knew. And it was those three players. I mean, they were surrounded by a, a, a hardworking senior group, plus those great juniors that went the next year. But, I, you know, Bradburn, Collins, and McCarthy. The, the, those three kids, now all of a sudden, I had the same talent as Cumberland Valley. You know, years previously, we'd always run into Cumberland Valley in the district playoffs, and it'd be like a 21-19 game or a 14-7 game or something like that. But now we had a team that they had to worry about our athleticism, and, and these guys just came through. Now, the, the district playoffs and the state playoffs, they were a new thing. They came in right about, what, 82, 83? 83 was yeah. the first one. Okay. And, but it's only four teams. Right. So, in fact, uh, the 90 team that played in the Fog Bowl, they were the fourth-seeded team at 10-1. and one. Four, I mean, it, we were worried that they wouldn't make playoffs. Right. And, uh, in fact, there were a couple years that we didn't make playoffs, and I would see Tim Rimple. He's the Cumberland Valley coach back then. And he'd say to me, man, I've been fo followed you guys the whole season. Sure glad you didn't make playoffs. <laughs> because he knew, you know, that was going to, that would have right. been the game. Right. And, but yeah, it was only 14. It wasn't like eight. And I guess for a while it was 16. I teased Doug all the time. Well, so I was like, hell yeah, you can get a lot of playoff wins. You, you, you got 16 teams and you, you know, you can, the first two weeks, you better win. <laughs> but it was only four. And so you had to be ready to go. What was the whole, I mean, like I said, playoffs was a new thing. And, and the state tournament, at first, you could win your district and still not go. Only four teams made the state tournament. What was the feeling then, you know, when the playoffs were so new and nobody quite knew how it worked? Well, and that's how you, that's pretty accurate. I, I'll never forget uh, the, the, the team that went to states. The first year they had state playoffs, Cedar Cliff went to states. And, and they were, I, I can't remember, I, I think they might have won it. Uh, and, and I went up to watch that game, and I just thought, you know, someday we got to be here. Someday we got to get a football team and go to states. And ironically, we wound up playing Cedar Crest for the district championship, Collins' senior year. And he goes up against Kyle Brady, if you remember him. I mean, there were some great football players on that field that day. And we beat him, and um, I'm trying to remember his name now from, from Cedar Cliff. Bob Craig. Bob Craig and John Gursky were the same age. They were, they were good buddies. And, uh, and Bob Craig you know, came over and said, you guys are going to go far. Good luck to you. Great guy, just a great guy. And, and that's when we, 
hey, there's a state playoff and we can be in the, with anybody else. You know, we're just as good as anybody else that comes through. So let's give it a shot. So what was it like finally, 89, you've, you've been in the playoffs several times. The first couple weren't, didn't go well. You lost, I think, your first two or three playoff right. games. But finally, 89, you break through. You, right. win, you win your first district championship and then um, advance to the state final. <laughs> well, that must have been just a crazy experience in the time around West Well, Long. and what made it crazy is, as, is, you know, if you ever watch the practice fields at, at Wilson, in the fall, there's so many things going on. Soccer, field hockey, you know, the list goes on and on. And I tell our kids, when we, when we got to the uh, district playoffs, we actually played Cumberland Valley the first round out at Albright College. And we only beat them 7-3. to three. But it was a screen pass that was thrown to McCarty, and he outran everybody on the Cumberland Valley team, which, what I said earlier, finally we had the athletes. You know, I mean, if we lost to them, we got – they just had more athletes. That, uh, But anyway, so now we come back and we're practicing Monday night under our lights, and there's nobody around. It's just us. And he says, look at this. It's just us. And then the next week when we're in the district championship game, you know, and then the next week when we're in a state semifinal game against Coatesville, and it, it, was, it, it was a neat feeling. And we go up to Coatesville. We go to Coatesville. We played them in Millersville. I'll never forget this. And, and they – uh, Coachville was fantastic. They were undefeated. They had an undefeated year, just like us. And the first half, they must have went up two touchdowns on us. And it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, this is going to – and we get to the locker room. And at Millersville, the locker room, are, the visitors and the home locker room are only separated by a wall. And Coachville, they're already celebrating. And the first ten minutes, first five minutes of the uh, halftime, I said – I want you guys just to shut up and listen to that. Listen to that. They think they've already won the game. And I just made our locker room be silent. I said, do you guys want to hand your equipment in now? Here, put the shoulder pads over here. Put the jerseys up. And, and I just kind of, I just got to try to get in their head. And the second half, they go out there and they just, just annihilated them. And the guy that was the coach at Coatesville, uh, another great guy, coached in a big 33 game with him. And he said to me, what the heck did you tell your kids? And I said, I didn't tell them anything. Your kids are the ones that were telling them. <laughs> That's a great story. Talking to Jerry Slemmer here on the Mike Draco Sports Football Podcast. And, and, and Jerry had a reputation as being one of the great locker room uh, inspirational speakers, both pregame and halftime. Uh, what, what do you remember about that, and where did you learn that? Did you pick that up from Coach Gursky? And oh, Gursky, Gursky could give a, a great a great talk too. But I don't I, I don't know if you remember this game. We played Reading High when they had, they had a, Jet Johnson was coaching, and they had a really good quarterback. Um, and we played them at home. And that year, we got off the slow start. And I think we lost at least one or two games before we went in the league play. So here comes Reading High in the town. And they had a nice team. And the kids at school were like hardcore fans. If you didn't play hard, they told you about it. Like being Philadelphia Eagle fans. And they were, they were getting on our kids during the week. Ah, you're going to get your... The Wilson students. The Wilson students. Getting on your own are guys. getting on, on Shane Stafford and Gooch Adams and that group of kids. So, yeah, you're going to get killed by Reading High. You don't guys don't stand a chance. And I'll never forget, 
you have to know when to talk to them and when just to let them go. And I got them all together before the game. And, you know, usually the last three or four minutes before you go out. And I looked at, I looked at a couple of assistants and I said, I, I said what am I going to tell them? I'm going to say a word. They just, I swear they just knocked that door down. And if you remember that game, Reading High didn't have their first first down until halfway through the third quarter. I mean, it, it was, and Jet came over after the game and shakes my hand. He goes, what? He said, what was that? What would, you know, just like he, he was, he felt he was going to come off the field with a nice win and had the better team that year. And, and, and we became very competitive with each other because Redding was up and down and he went there and did a great job with him. And, um, you know, but that's a, that was one of the games that I just thought um, our kids were really, really mentally ready to play. And you had to read that. You had to read that. I'd look in, I'd say the, the night before, I said, I'm looking in your eyes, and I'm looking at you, and I'm not sure if you're ready to go yet. And, and so you just, they're, they're high school kids. You know, you, you can get them to do anything. <laughs> it's not like a, the pros. You could, you could never motivate them like that. But for kids, you know, 16, 17-year-old kids, they, and, and like I said, John was the same way. I mean, he, he knew who to single out. Are you going to play football tonight? Are you going to play like, you know, and, and that's, that's was the talks that we would give to the kids. Are you ready? That's what Are John always ready? used to say, right? Are you ready to play? And it was, you know, and a lot of that I just, I just learned from watching him. I mean, the seven years as an assistant coach, were very valuable years for me to learn the game, to learn line play. I was very, uh, you know, our linemen knew who to block, how to do it, how to, you know, we had a lot of really good linemen, and it was, uh, it was a, it was a, a, a time to really learn the game that I felt like I was ready to go, except for the passing game, when, uh, when I had my opportunity. So 1989 state championship game, you get there and you play Upper St. Clair, uh, games at Hershey Park Stadium. That's where all the championship games were. What do you recall about that game? Um, it was cold. It was absolutely freezing. Uh, my parents, this was kind of ironic, is they lived in Arizona. They moved out to Arizona and we went there to go to school. And Harold was coaching at a school called McClintock. And they were playing for a state championship on Friday night. And my parents saw that championship game, uh, got an airplane the next morning, and came in to see my championship game. And they weren't ready for the cold. You know, you live in Arizona, you're blooded. And, and, and they just, you know, they remember just being very cold. And um, it was like, a, it was like surreal. It was like, you know, here, here we are. You know, we've talked about this for a couple of years now, and we're actually here. We took pride in being the first Burks team to be in the state final. We took pride in having the longest uh, wins in a season because we finished 14 and one. So there were just a lot of things, and, and it kind of just happened so fast that you, you know, you think of 1989. Well, I remember the Berlin Wall going down. And, 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 and the football team go to the state finals. And, and you know, you, you just take those memories with you. And every time we get together, we just, like, it'll happen tomorrow night. It'll, you know, you just start talking about things. They tell you some stories about you that you never knew or vice versa. And it's, it was a thrill. I mean, I just, like I said, I was, I was maybe 40 at that time, 
38, 39, and and I just, you know, it just was, it was a thrill of a lifetime. Upper St. Clair wins that game 12 to 7. It had to be a stinging loss when you, you wait your whole life to get to that, that, that stage. How difficult was that, and, and how long did it take for that to, to go away? Well, I'll never forget, it, they, it was 12-7. We were going down for the winning score. This is in the fourth quarter. And we get down to, like, the 10-yard line, and we threw a pass to Bradburn. And Todd was a character in himself, great football player, an unbelievable football player. And he was supposed to turn right, but he turned left, one of those mix-up in patterns, and carried through the ball, and they intercepted it, and it killed the drive. And, and there was only like maybe a minute and a half left in the clock, so we knew that that, you know. And one side of you as a coach, you just you were mad at the kid. But on the other side, if it wasn't for that kid, you wouldn't be here. You know, I, I thought, you know, when Todd made the wrong move, uh, you know, you want to, you were supposed to turn, you know, right, that kind of, but if it wasn't for you, we never, because if you remember weeks earlier, he's the one that caused the pass against McCaskey to have the, the Hail Mary pass at the end of that game. Todd's the one who caught the pass. And, uh, and you just, that's what you had to go back to, you know. We got here, and you can't tell, I mean, Western uh, Pennsylvania football and, Jim Render's still coaching. I don't know if you know that. But uh, they, they had a great program. And, and, and we gained a lot of respect for each other. We, that spring then, we coached the Big 33 team together. And um, it was disappointing. I mean, we, it's like you're that close. You're that close to being state champs. And there's that silver runner-up trophy sitting up there in the, in, the, in the gym. I take a look at it every time I come in. And it... You know, it, it's you. A lot was accomplished, and you know, it was hard on them. It's hard on the kids because they they I'll never forget they played their hearts out, and it could have eased if he would have caught that pass. We the went ahead, and there and I I you know we we the won that game. Thirty two years ago, and that's and that's the game. Would you could you have imagined at that time that Wilson would not get back to a state final and. In, in 32 years? You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because we had uh, a program that we gave the kids at the end of the year uh, and, at, at our football banquet. And it was, it was a program of the pictures of the kids in action, shots. And I always would write a paragraph or two about the season at the end of the game. You dig up that 89 program and you'll see what I wrote to the kids, and it was like a personal letter to the kids that you basically carved away to the state championship. There's no guarantee we'll even be here again, but you did something that is it's very hard to do in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of great schools in Pennsylvania, and uh, and and to this day, just reading that, it says you might be the only one to get to the finals ever. And, and that's, you know, I, you don't want it to be that way. You'd like to rack up all kinds of state championships. But, but that also explains how special it is. And any football coach would tell you that at the high school level. To win a state championship, especially in Pennsylvania or Texas or Georgia, those kinds of states. Ohio. Yeah. Ohio. Yeah. 
I mean, that, that, it's just very special. Right. Uh, the best Wilson team I've seen, and I, I didn't cover your 89 team. Uh, I just, I was too, too low on the, uh, the, the totem pole there at the Eagle at that time. I'd just gotten there a few years earlier. But the best Wilson team I saw was 2008. Uh, it was uh, uh, your nephew it was on the team, Rodney Hill, and, um, uh, uh, you know, tremendous uh, team 2008. They were... Um, 14 and 14 and one overall. They lost in the state semifinals in triple overtime at State College. Uh, I think it was Bethel Park. Again, a cold day. You talk about the '89 game being cold. This, that was the coldest day I've ever been to a game. But uh, you know, they they were and they were close. They triple overtime, and you know, it's, diff well, it's difficult. It's funny you say that because my brother-in-law, uh, who is uh, who is Patrick's you know dad, he picked me up at the airport yesterday. And we're driving home, and he's and he brought up the story about that team. We we should have been in the state finals, and we were that, and and you know, the, and they had a great team. They really did. And what's really funny is that uh, he has two boys, Patrick and Christopher. Both of them were on district championship teams. Uh, both of them received the John Gursky Award, which is like the award at the end of the season. And, and then, of course, my son did it in 1990. And I, said, and I say to my mother-in-law, who's 90 now, 91, and I says, you know, you're, the, you're the, the queen of the mothers of the football program. No one else had three grandkids that achieved what they, you know, what they achieved playing football at Wilson. And, and she laughed, and, and uh, she says, well, well, tell that to Mike. Drago, make sure you tell him that. <laughs> That's great. Well, she's got a reason to be to be proud, no doubt about that. Uh, you you mentioned you, your first year as an assistant coach at Wilson. Doug Dom's also his first season. Now he's the head coach. He has been for the last, I think, 15, uh, 16 seasons now. Uh, any idea at that time when you guys broke it together that, that he'd still be, <laughs> so he'd still well, be there? I, I, I kind of teased him. I says, what are you taking, relief factor? Or, you know, what exactly is the – formula here to because I, I gotta tell you it, it's the players work hard and the coaches are out there in the field on their feet two three hours a night and uh and they work as hard and and doug is he's for him to put all these years on in is is quite a feat in itself i really i mean i, I can't say enough about that but we did come together same year and 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 the 15 years he worked with me when i was head coach he was so loyal, so dedicated, put whatever time had to be put in. So that's even more satisfying to see him enjoy, you know, the success he's had. And uh, I kind of wish I could return the favor, you know, and, and, and coach for him. But uh, his, his wife, one time, uh, we'd always, the coaches would always get together with the wives after the game. And one time his wife says that Doug was the smartest man in the world. I'll never forget this. So all she did was open up the door for all the other coaches to tease him. Now, who said this? Susie said this about Sue. Doug? Sue, Doug's wife, says, we were having some kind of discussion. And I, I tell you what, it might have been like a punt block or something because Doug would do all the special teams for us and really did a great job with it, like he still does now. And he says, yeah, my, my husband, Doug, he, he's the smartest man in the world. And, and Doug was embarrassed, you know, Susie, shut up, just shut up. 
And, and what was funny is we all heard it. So for the rest, even to this day, you know, like uh, if you, my comment would be, you know, you're the beat Mifflin, you're the smartest man in the world. How come you guys didn't figure a way out? You know, it's, it's that kind of joking around all from that one moment when, and she was just proud of him. You know, she's proud of her husband and his success he has. And, and she didn't think that we were going to be able to jump on that the way we did it. You know, guys teasing each other. And it's, yep, Doug Doms, he's the smartest man in the world. And I'll tell you what, he's not far from it. He's a hell of a, a biology teacher right. and, and, uh, and, you know, he coaches track. I mean, it takes the kids to Jamaica. I went to Jamaica with him one time, and that was a great experience. And he's got quite a resume. Yeah, you're going to get no argument from me, Susie, because I, I agree. He is an incredible person, the energy and the passion he has, and not just for football, but you mentioned track and, and for science and biology. And, and uh, as a humanitarian, too, he just, he just went down uh, in August. Uh, to, he and Susie to help out. I think they built a house and, um, uh, you know, just an incredible spirit with Doug. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, and, and we'll, we'll bring it to the future. You got a chance to see a few weeks ago, Wilson played Governor Mifflin. I know, I know that was difficult for Wilson fans to watch, but you got a chance to see Nick Singleton. Tell me about your impressions about him. Herschel Walker. Uh, I, 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 I just got a chance to see him on my computer is what and, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, this kid is amazing. And I, I literally thought of Herschel Walker. When, as this kid's taking a pitch, he takes a tip, Paul Sweet. He's going down the sideline. He has power. He has speed. I can certainly see why Penn State, um, you know, recruited him the way they did. And, uh, and then, of course, you'll see my nephew in the next, not my nephew, my son-in-law's nephew in the next couple of years he's a well he's a junior Aiden now. Martin yeah and I got a picture of him on my cell phone I'll show you when we're done this kid has a vertical jump that's out of this world I mean I got it on you know I said to I said to uh his 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 uncle Freddie I says you need to put that just that picture on a highlight tape and send it out to colleges they'll take one look at how high off the ground this kid is and they'll offer a scholarship just on that I mean the kid is a great athlete He's going to be their main man next year. There's no doubt in my and just a good kid. I knew him from the you know time he was little, and um, so it's it's you know what it's a rival game and you know you 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 have your going back and forth with Mifflin over the years, but you you have to respect them and be happy for them. Last year, this year, you know they, they, everybody has their turn for some glory. And and they're enjoying theirs now, and and you're and you got to be happy for them. You just you know that that they ha have reached that pinnacle. I think they can win a state championship this year. I don't well, think yeah, they're they're on top. They just uh, this week moved into the number one ranking in Class Five A. Uh, we're going to find out Friday night when they play Harrisburg. We'll just see how how good they are. And I think uh, after that game. Uh, a lot of people are going to say what you just said. I mean, that, that they, they could be a, a state championship uh, team. Now, you, you're obviously impressed with Nick. Uh, you compared him to Herschel Walker, which I think, I don't know if there are many better compliments to that. Herschel, I mean, one of the all-time great uh, physical specimens in the game and running backs in college, uh, college football and in the NFL. Uh, who, last thing, who was the best player you coached against in all your years, assistant or head coach? Coached against, well, that's a tough one. Um, 
you know, Frankie Wright was at Cedar Crest when, uh, when you know, they had a great team. There's no doubt about that. There was a quarterback at Lebanon. His name was John Lebo. And I, I thought he was just an outstanding. He, did he go to Maryland? <coughs> uh, I know Wright went to Maryland. I don't, I don't know. What, it might have been Maryland. I think I, you Lebo know, went to Maryland. But, uh, but he was a great one. Uh, of course, Redding had a couple. Uh, I didn't coach against him, but I always thought that Mike Miller was an outstanding player at Redding High. And he was at, the sa- he was at Redding High the same time Mike Rich was at Wilson. And Tom, he, Tommy Miller. Or yeah, Tom, Tommy sorry, Miller. Tommy Miller. And, and those were two guys that go to the top of the list of Berks County history football. Right. And they both played the same year. Right. How about Cumberland Valley had a, a fullback, John Ritchie. John you, you coached against him yeah, several times. Yeah, right? I did. And, and, and John Ritchie, he didn't, he didn't really hurt us. He, ran, he was the fullback in their wing tee. And, and the kind of defense we ran with our eight-man front, we could pretty well control him. And, and then it was two little, shorter, uh, smaller backs that were, you know, that were just really quick that, uh, you know, because we're, we're keying John Ritchie. And, and that's, you know, you're investing that manpower on him and, neglect, and neglecting it on others. But, yeah, he, he was a great player. I mean, uh, Kyle Brady was a great player at Cedar Club. I, I'll never forget that district championship game. We had a fullback. His name was Jeff Stump. And this kid was as strong and powerful as any fullback we ever had. And the first play of the game, we're going to test Kyle Brady and, and have a kickout block and you know take an off-tackle play. <clears throat> and the kind of defense they ran, they would always put him to formation side. So Jeff Stump goes to block him, and it was like he ran into a wall. And we look at each other and say, holy, because we knew how good Jeff Stump was. <laughs> I mean, he's a 500-pound squatter. <laughs> and so he says, okay, that takes, that takes care of that. We're running away from Kyle Brady the rest of the game. <laughs> so we never ran to his side the whole rest of the game. You're listening to the Mike Drago Sports Football Podcast. My special guest this week, Jerry Slemmer, former Wilson Bulldogs head coach and tackle, big 33 tackle. Um, just a sad note to, to pass along today. Uh, Dave Stafford, former Reading High basketball player, Wilson basketball coach, longtime assistant coach, passed away this week. Uh, I just want to send out my condolences to his family and friends on losing Dave. Dave was a good friend to me and to Berks County Sports, and uh, he will be missed. So, Jerry, uh, again, I appreciate you stopping by. This was great to uh, to reminisce again. I could sit here another hour or two and talk <laughs> talk football with you. It's been a, a tremendous pleasure. Thanks again for for doing this. My my pleasure. To, uh, and 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 I must say this that for any sport to be successful, they got to have people that are going to promote the kids and promote the program. And when you told me that you had been doing this for forty two years. And you, you, you can feel good that you, you promoted these sports in Perks County, and and a lot of kids have reaped the benefit of it. That they, because they would look forward to reading that article and picture or whatever in the paper after a big game, and and you just have done a great job of promoting high school athletes, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you, and that's nice of you to say. A lot, a lot of great memories. We shared a lot of them today. Um, but then we'll, we'll share some more next week on the, the, the podcast. We'll be back again next week with the Mike Drago Sports Football po- Podcast. 
brought to you each week by Utilities Employee Credit Union. Thank you for listening.